When God is absent, chaos is the norm. That's what we're talking about today on Insights. Welcome back to Insights and Than, welcome back to you too. Thanks for having me again as always. And uh, how's your five-month-old doing? He's pretty good. Um, a little tired. He's kept me up the past two nights. <laughs> right. Um, but he's doing awesome. He's been a champ. He's eating a lot, just like Dad. <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we are jumping into this topic today of, of chaos, confusion, lies, and why this is so detrimental. But before we do, i got to mention... What I said in the opening, it wasn't my quote. It's from Ravi Zacharias. He mm. just passed away to be with the Lord on May 19th here in 2020. But it's so powerful. He looked at all kinds of things going on in the world and he said, when God is absent, chaos is the norm. Mm -hmm. And man, are we seeing chaos in 2020. I don't know if you've thought about all this, but you know, we go straight from an impeachment trial in, uh, in January of 2020. Then then right after that, Nancy Pelosi rips up President Trump's uh, mm -hmm. State of the Union address on national TV. Then from there, we go into a global pandemic with lockdowns and so forth. Um, and then uh, at the end of May, we move into race riots and all that's been going on related to George Floyd's death. I mean, this uh, year so far, we're only halfway through. I mean... This year has been unbelievable. Yep. When God is absent, chaos is the norm. And I, I think you got a couple of verses to, to read for us here. Yeah, um, these are both from Isaiah. So Isaiah 9, 16. For those who guide this people are leading them astray, and those who are guided by them are brought to confusion. And another one is uh, Isaiah 59, 4. No one sues another righteously, and no one pleads honestly. They trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Than, I think that's where we're living today in this nation. We're going to get into specific examples. But again, just look at the last few months in our nation mm -hmm. and all the craziness that's going on. And, you know, in that last passage you read in Isaiah 59, it also goes on later in that chapter to mm -hmm. talk about the truth stumbles in the streets. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like America? It's hard to even give truth a platform mm -hmm. and much less get it to actually stick when it gets out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and again, in Isaiah 59, what you just read, it says they trust in confusion. I mean, this isn't this isn't uh, just like uh, an accidental situation. It mm -hmm. says they are trusting in confusion. If you link it to the, the first verse you read there from Isaiah 9, mm -hmm. it's actually talking about this is what the leaders do and the people end up being in confusion. And I want to talk about COVID here in a little bit and other things, but like I, I, it just seems to me that our, our culture's moved into confusion, <laughs> and I want to connect it to this idea to significantly misleading information mm -hmm. or just simply lies. Mm -hmm. And we got to unpack this a bit today. I believe, though, that ultimately, as we just talked about, this chaos, this confusion, that's a lot of things rooted in lies, that it's fundamentally because God has distanced himself mm -hmm. from our nation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I would agree. I it, it, 
going back to 59.4 even, um, they trust in confusion. Who is it that trusts in the confusion? Right. Well, again, if we link it to Isaiah 9, it's the leaders. Yep. Yeah, so we want to unpack that. Now, Now let's, uh, let's just start here uh, a bit with COVID-19, and I don't okay. want to just talk about this. I just want this topic to be done. Yeah. I, want, I want this virus to go away, <laughs> as we all do. Yeah. However, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, we're going to share some things here. We're going to talk about things that are clearly based on misinformation. Mm-hmm. Depending upon how far you drill down, you might even say actual lies, but at least misinformation, uh, misguided information. So here's the, um, here's the thing, is that we, we are constantly getting, still getting bombarded by this, and, and yet it's a real issue, mm-hmm. and we don't want to dismiss it. I mean, I look at the data, and I still think that for people that are over 80 years old, it's probably 10 times as deadly is what the flu mm-hmm. uh, is typically each year for people that are over 80. Like, there's there's something real going on here. There's a lot of people that have died. Yeah, no. And I think it's a very important thing to bring up that it this is real. It, people have died from this. People have gotten sick from it. I know people that have gotten sick from it, and um, I don't know anybody that's died from it, but I know people that have said it's the worst flu they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to not dismiss the fact that it's real because otherwise we just sound like crazy conspiracy theorists and we're giving these liars or mistruthers or whatever you want to call them um, more ammo to fall back on us if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so than my parents are both living they're in their mid-80s and you know as their state continues to gradually open who knows if things go really well it could already be by late August, September, whatever, that the church doors are wide open and mm-hmm. they could go with stuff like that. I am not encouraging them to go back to church the first time the doors mm-hmm. are open. Like for my parents, depending upon how things go, even if they went perfectly on this reopening, I might suggest not even uh, tiptoeing into that church yeah. for the first time uh, for maybe October, November, December. I mean, to me, this is serious mm-hmm. and we don't want to pass over that. Nevertheless, there has really been a lot of misinformation. Now, we both have a friend who works out on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. and he has shared with us that um, once Indiana opened the doors of the gym, that he's been there, but there's not hardly anybody else there. Mm -hmm. And he said, he's 23, he's healthy, he's part of this super low-risk group, like 99.9 plus percent of the people in his group that contract the virus. they, they recover and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them will be asymptomatic. But nevertheless, these healthy people that would typically frequent the gym, mm-hmm. they're not showing up. And what our friend told us is it's because they're scared of getting the virus and dying. Yep. So clearly we've got still going on a culture of fear and panic. We want to kind of hopefully help erase some of that stuff yeah. and wrap some biblical, more biblical stuff in here. But have you seen that at all with your age group, your friends and so forth? Most definitely. Um, even me going to the gym every day uh, that I do go, the gym's near empty. Um, and even if you look at all these gyms, um, Back on, since we're talking about gyms, it's, you know, certain equipment isn't, you're not able to use it. Even just going to restaurants and stuff, certain types of foods you can't order anymore. And all these different things are happening in all these facilities where people that younger people will go to. Um, 
people aren't showing up to these things due to fear. And I'm noticing it every single day. People I'm talking to. Okay, so when you talk to people more or less your age, in their yeah. 20s, let's say. Yeah. Maybe even younger, but at least in their 20s. Like, what kinds of things do they say? Like, to me, after understanding the data, mm -hmm. it's almost unfathomable for me to think about somebody in that yeah. age group that might not even be the most healthy, but generally healthy, would have any fear whatsoever. The majority of the people my age fall into one of two categories in my, in my experience. One is they're not afraid of the virus per se for themselves, but they don't want to pass it on to somebody that they're close to, like their parents and grandparents. And then there's the people on the other side that are just, I can't go out there. What happens if I get it and I die? And more often than not, I'm running into people that are on the other side of the equation. So they're actually afraid of personally afraid. dying. Yes. Now, your wife was talking to us just a little bit ago about how there seems to be some serious data out there, mm -hmm. even from the World Health Organization, that says if you are not symptomatic, you're not contagious. So that could be another area of confusion, mm -hmm. potentially even lies. But, but the World Health Organization said this, and then she said they quickly walked it back. Yep. So, you know... Again, it seems like we're living in this like milieu of just confusion. Yeah. So I'm so grateful um, for um, for some people that are speaking the truth, and we're going to get to that shortly. Yeah. But I, I want to say, as, as we've talked about here recently on these Insights videos, we are getting bombarded by a certain narrative mm -hmm. by the media. And I just want to give a couple examples, okay? Yeah. So... You being from Wisconsin should appreciate this. This is uh, from Madison, and Madison, Wisconsin is located in Dane County. And here's the mm -hmm. headline. Dane, Dane County health officials report highest number of COVID-19 cases ever. So this is reported on June 25th. Mm -hmm. Okay, ever. Like, this sounds terrible, yeah. horrifying. Well, I went to a website where I could get the exact data on this worst day ever. Mm -hmm. Um, there were 71 new cases. These are not deaths. These are not hospitalizations. Mm -hmm. But this is an example of the media pounding uh, us with these things. Like if I hadn't read some of the actual statistical scientific evidence on this, like, I mean, I just read the headline, I'd probably be yep. really nervous too, you know? Um, so here's, a, here's another one. Um, so this one's from uh, CNN from June 17th. It says, 10 states are seeing their highest average of daily new COVID-19 cases since the pandemic started. But again, when you look at the overall numbers, it's not nearly as alarming as that headline makes it sound. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, very recently, we have seen an uptick in cases, but there's a lot of reasons for this, but I just want to share something that's super important to understand. Mm -hmm. The goal of all the social distancing, stay-at-home orders, shelter-in-place is what a lot of people call that. It was never to stay in your house, and therefore, all those people that do, they'll never get sick. Mm -hmm. Always the goal was to flatten the curve so the medical system was not overwhelmed. So when you do get sick, mm -hmm. if you do, if you do land in that 1% or 2% that actually need uh, significant medical care, that you have a, a hospital bed, you have a mm -hmm. doctor that can treat you, these kinds of things, okay? But what they were talking about is from the get-go of this thing is the doubling rate of the virus. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, early on, when you're going from nationally, going from 500 cases to 1,000 cases, it might not take so long, but they were saying that it would take, indefinitely, they were saying it would take two to three days on the doubling rate. Mm -hmm. Well, I just checked most recently, the doubling rate is 48 days. And actually, 
what we're seeing here, even with this, this headline from, from CNN, is that this, as we try to move towards herd immunity, mm -hmm. this is actually necessary. This is what the experts forecasted way back in March that never happened, that we're supposed to be getting a much greater influx of cases so that we reach herd immunity. Now, mm -hmm. we don't want to uh, flood or overwhelm the medical system. Mm -hmm. But we're not anywhere close. You've heard the stories, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, about empty hospitals, furloughed doctors. All of that stuff is what was, I believe, resulted from a culture of confusion, mm -hmm. not following the data, not following the science. And so that's one reason why the, some of the numbers more recently have been going up. It's actually uh, was to be expected and needed if we're ever going to get to what they call herd immunity, which mm -hmm. means everybody has the antibodies and yep. then this whole thing becomes a non-issue. So everything you just said is a really good point. And the other thing I want to talk about too is, you know, in the early models, think about what they projected. Think about the, the, the vast amount of deaths they projected, the vast amount of infections they projected, and the death rate, and how all of it was wrong. We made all these decisions on how we want to operate our country, but also me, myself, with my family, um, based off these projections. In the beginning of all this, my wife and I decided, well, let's shelter in place, let's actually stock up on food, and be safe, just in case, because we don't really know what we don't know. And then we changed our minds once we looked at the projections and said, this is wrong. And then a week later, they admitted that the projections were wrong. But we noticed that our country is still operating off of those old projections. That's what's been so stunning to me. So by the end of March, if you remember the Imperial model and you remember Neil Ferguson mm -hmm. was heading up that, he was the spokesman for that. They already, by the end of March, they were downgrading what they had forecasted in terms of two to three million deaths mm -hmm. in this country and all these deaths in the UK mm -hmm. and the number of cases and the, the, the actual deaths. It was all being downgraded. And that really became crystal clear by the beginning of April. Mm -hmm. But we did, as you just said, we continued to live as if those models were accurate. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still stunned based on everything that transpired in March and April. Like, what happened? Like, why didn't the the uh, the doctors circle up and say, whoa, this isn't what we expected? Mm -hmm. um, do we need to be taking these extreme measures, as well as the uh, the president's uh, coronavirus task force and mm -hmm. all of those people that are on the news every day, as well as church leaders? Like, we should have been circling up based on week by week getting more and mm -hmm. more clear data. We should have been... I'm saying, now, is this the right approach? But instead, we just went headlong as if the models were always true. And I believe to this day, we still see this lingering in terms of what's going on. Yes, there's been some gradual openings, reopenings, mm -hmm. but it's... Uh, I want to say to everybody in the media that's been telling me to go by the science mm -hmm. and the facts and the data, I want to say to them, when are you going to go yep. by the science, the facts, and the data? Most definitely. Um, and in Wisconsin, there's no statewide bans or anything going on. It's all county to county now and city to city. And what's just fascinating to me is there's no statewide bans. There's no statewide warnings, nothing. Yet, there's all these businesses that are still closed down. There's all these businesses and all these people that are still scared. And, you know, I've heard of employees that they don't want to go back to work because they might get the virus mm -hmm. and they might die. And again, there is some real concerns with that. If you have pre-existing health conditions, yes. uh, a compromised immuni immunity system, or you're older, but we're going to get into some facts here in a moment, mm -hmm. Dan. But like, 
I'm stunned that these people would not go back to work, or as we talked about earlier, go to the gym. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's kind of beyond me at this point, and I don't know. I don't know where the fix is for something like this as well, because as soon as you have somebody operating off of fear, then all of a sudden you can't throw facts at them to get them out of the fear. So you would say that the fear is actually impairing their like logic or thinking or ability Correct. to choose. Yes. Yeah. So, and I think it has a lot to do with just who is giving the information and do these people that give out the information have an agenda behind the information they're giving. Right. And we're not going to be able to tackle yeah. motives today. Yeah, of course. But it's an interesting thing. And we're going to get into some stuff here. I don't know how you could not, even though we're not doing it on this yeah. video, how you cannot talk about motives and why in the world would you do that when yep. non-medical people would know not to do that. And we'll get into yeah, for sure. some examples here in a second. So let's start here with a, a book that became the Amazon. It's actually a booklet of about, I don't know, 20 or 30 pages, mm -hmm. but um, it's called Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns. Mm -hmm. The author's name is Alex Berenson. He used to write, he was a journalist, a reporter for the New York Times for 10 years before he broke off on his own. He's done a lot of writing and research on all kinds of topics, including um, is marijuana, recreational use of marijuana, is it truly harmless? He's done all kinds of great mm -hmm. research. What I love about this guy is he's saying, I am not politically motivated. He says, I am not looking for a left answer or a right answer. I am looking for the truth. truth. And so he writes this book now, probably came out, I want to say, around the, it was in June, let's just say roughly it came out around mm -hmm. June 10th or something um, at Amazon. It, within two days, it became the number one bestseller. Wow. And so this is some really important stuff that he has to say. And, and he begins in, in his booklet with his introduction, and he says that what immediately caught his attention, because he was like you, he was he was storing up food. He was like, this could be extremely bad, mm -hmm. okay? And he had those same concerns, but as he went to the CDC website, other website, and looked at the exact data. Remember, they always tell us mm -hmm. to go by the science, go by the data. Now, Alex Berenson decides, oh, I'm going to do that myself as an investigative reporter. Mm -hmm. And he found that what he called a huge age disparity. Mm -hmm. This is early on, you could see it, and it's only proved to be factual as the weeks, now even months have gone on. And he said it was unbelievable what the data was showing versus people under 50 years old or kids or whoever mm -hmm. versus people that were 80 years old and older. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there's not an increase with those that are 70 to 80, but the point is, he was like, why is this not being reported? So that was the beginning of him researching to write this book on unreported truths. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is what Berenson says, uh, concluding after mm -hmm. a bunch of his research and sharing statistics. He says this, thus in a worst case scenario in America, if we took no steps to mitigate uh, the virus's spread or protect vulnerable people, a complete unchecked, Coronavirus might kill between 0.075 and 0.29% of the population in this country. We're talking about a recovery rate way over 99%. So, so then suppose that, uh, that you went in and they found cancer. And suppose the doctor came to you with the diagnosis and he said, you know, the bad news, Than, is you have cancer. The good news is, 
is that you have a well over 99% chance of recovering and be, living a completely yep. normal life. Like, how would you feel? I would feel fine. <laughs> like, oh, darn it, I have cancer. But at the end of the day, I'd be very hopeful and I wouldn't be very afraid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the fundamental thing that, that Berenson is trying to get across here. Um, now, he does hit on this, which is a bit sobering. Mm -hmm. Even with these low numbers, because we have such an enormous population in America of about 330 million mm -hmm. people, he said you work the numbers on those percentages, you still end up with 250,000 mm -hmm. people dying on the low end and possibly up to 900,000 people dying. Probably not in one year, it might take two or three yeah. years as this goes through its cycle. But nevertheless, the percentages are extremely small. So we want to be extra careful, especially with the elderly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously anybody that's, uh, that's compromised physically. But he's just saying that, that the percentages are, are very, very low yeah. in terms of the mortality rate. Definitely. And even circling back to something you said earlier, which is part of the unreported facts, coronavirus cases, confirmed coronavirus cases are going up. But where are the deaths? Well, they're definitely going down. Exactly. And why is that not being reported? You know, that comes up with a great question. Like, okay, so some of these headlines, why don't they say that that a record day, for example, in the state of Wisconsin, mm -hmm. but very, very encouraged by the decreasing death rate? Mm -hmm. I mean, there just doesn't seem to be a balance mm -mm. within the mainstream media in terms of what they're providing for us. It seems like there's half-truths or a lot of lies that could be going on as well. Right. And I'm going to quote Berenson again here shortly mm -hmm. um, on that exact thing. But it's the, the idea of there's just some really misleading information. Mm -hmm. Can you call it exactly a lie, like, you know, calling black white and white black? No, but mm -hmm. it's, boy, it's out of context. It's leaving us all with the wrong impression. It leads you down a different trail than to what the truth actually is. Exactly. And, and just to kind of touch on something I didn't plan to, mm -hmm. but really where Berenson is leading here is that the lockdowns um, were not helpful, were not necessary. Mm. And he's going to get in, I guess, into some of his later chapters that have not been published yet in this book. Um, I guess he's going to get into some of the, the scientific medical reasons of actually what goes on when you mm. do these lockdowns. Gotcha. Well, I'm interested to hear that. So my question for you, one of the questions that I probably I don't have the answer to actually is like, for instance, what are the exact statistics when it comes to death rate or mortality rate when it comes to certain age groups or um, healthy people versus unhealthy people or even people that have the infect that have the virus and are showing symptoms, all these different things. Where are all these statistics? Right. You know, I mean, you'd probably need to plunge into Berenson's yeah. research and just look at the CDC website for yourself and other yeah. websites. But let me just touch on a couple things that Berenson talks about that I found interesting, okay? He said that um, that in Italy, so that was the hot spot, mm -hmm. right, at the beginning. He said in Italy, uh, of 32,000 Italians that died from the virus, um, the, the median age was 81 years old. Hmm. Okay, so that's revealing. Um, but getting to the hot spot here in our nation, in New York, and it's, uh, it's almost 40% of the reported deaths were people over 80. And, uh, and in Minnesota, the median age of 1,000 COVID deaths was almost 84 when he went to, to print on this thing. And so it's just really amazing um, when you start diving mm -hmm. into this. Now, this is another 
factoid that he shares about Minnesota and he says, more people over 100 years old have died than under 50 years old. Hmm. Okay, when you're just out and about, how many people do you run into that are over 100? Not very many. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Now, if you go to a nursing home or long-term care, whatever, you will find a lot yeah. more there, but still, it's not a lot of people, mm -hmm. okay? But just through your daily interactions, wherever you go, you're running into hundreds, thousands of people if you're in the right situations mm -hmm. that are 50 or younger. Yep. He's saying still your threat of dying would be more leaning towards people that are 100 years mm -hmm. older, older than if you're under 50. Yeah. So I'm just going to hit a few more of these. Yeah. And for example, um, in Italy, there's only been 17 deaths of people under 30 years old. Um, in, the, in the United Kingdom, only four people under 15 years old have died. Um, in New York, again, such a hot spot for us here in this country, only 14 people under 20 have, have died, died. Now, this is a really fascinating one that he shares. He shares that kids, that they are more likely to die from the annual flu mm -hmm. than from COVID-19. I don't know why, but for some reason, kids are especially resistant to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And so again, now that has a lot of implications. What about all the public schools we've closed down? Mm -hmm. What does the data show? Why are we making decisions that apparently have been with leaving these facts out? Mm -hmm. Now he also, he, he talks about how um, some of the headlines um, you know, have, have said things like that the coronavirus, it's an equal opportunity disease. And mm -hmm. it's not making the distinction of ages. Mm -hmm. It's saying, hey, wh whatever age you are, it's an equal opportunity disease. And he quotes some people and so forth. But what again he says is it's, they're not showing the disparity in terms of age groups, mm -hmm. which is obviously vital, and especially in terms of as we look at going the way forward in our churches and mm -hmm. society in general. And he says this quote, he says, thus discussing the age distribution of infections while technically not untruthful is extremely misleading. Mm -hmm. So there we are, are, are again. Um, with this, and um, and he he quotes a Washington Post reporter who tweeted this out, who said, "Who among us today will be dead by next month? Your cashier at the grocery store, your best friend, your child. Like you mm -hmm. just throw these these things out there to the culture, the society. Everybody goes, oh, we're gonna die. It could be my cashier, it could be my yep. child. I'm scared." And he said, as a parent, he goes, "I totally understand that, but it's not what the data shows." And yet. Even though we have access to this data, people are not looking at the data. They're just looking to the media mm -hmm. as truth. That surprises me. Um, one is that traditionally when I see these polls, it says, do you trust the news? Do you mm -hmm. trust the media? Usually it's like 80% of the people don't. Yep. Well, COVID-19 shows up and, oh, I must listen to everything yep. they say. And, and, and they allow themselves to get trapped into this narrative um, that really, in my opinion, is a false narrative and getting trapped yep. into fear. Yeah. And my question to you then is going to be the same question I always ask whenever we have any, any controversial topics coming up. How does the body of Christ respond to this? And what do we do from a biblical perspective to bring truth to light? That is a fascinating topic. And, um, you know, it, well, I guess why I find it so fascinating is because like in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 8, 
Paul says that they can do nothing against the truth, only what's for the truth. I mean, mm -hmm. it's powerful yeah. in here. And of course, we think of John 14, 6, where Jesus is the truth, mm -hmm. the life and the way. And it's like, we need to defend all of this, this biblical truth and Jesus, Jesus' deity. And we do. Mm -hmm. It's the most important. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing in our culture here in America with all the chaos that we talked about at the mm -hmm. outset set of this video, um, is that if we don't hit the truths on everything that's going on in culture, in other words, all truth is mm -hmm. God's truth, if we don't start speaking this out within the church, we find very practical things happen that should never happen. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to say the churches should have never closed down based on this data because yeah. the early models were this is horrendous. But we know now, we know now that yep. even to the present day, the deaths are declining even as cases go up. And, and we know the statistics. We know the percentages. Mm -hmm. But if we don't speak the truth on everything, we will find our churches staying closed longer than necessary. Mm -hmm. We'll find people, Christians, living in fear that are completely healthy people that don't need to be living mm -hmm. in fear. Now, I would like to say, and I usually my first step forward is, is telling people the truths of the gospel. Yep. And even if we die from COVID-19, it's a, it's a huge upgrade. Yep. You know? <laughs> and so really the worst thing that could happen is that we would not die from COVID because yeah. we have to stay here. Yeah. Okay. The, you know, I like to share the gospel, those things, and we do, we need to keep sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. And Renee and I have seen changed lives because of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. I have no question God's using this. However, if we don't start speaking the truth to leaders, civic leaders, governmental leaders, each other within our church elder boards, deacon boards, we are going to make decisions based on lies. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to make decisions based on the, the truth. You know, mm -hmm. in the last video we did together just a couple weeks ago, um, we talked a lot about things that were a bit off related to what's going on racially in this mm -hmm. country. Like you, Than, I want to purge racism from my heart, from anywhere it's in the church and mm -hmm. our culture. I want to purge racism. But I don't need the media lying to me or whoever is lying. I don't need them lying to me to make my choices. In fact, I think I'm going to end up making bad choices yep. um, because I'm making them based on lies. Correct. And I, I, I will second exactly what you just said. Racism does need to be purged. It needs to be eliminated because at the end of the day, it's sin. It's not only a sin against your fellow man, it's a sin against God and his creation. Yep. And while racism itself is true, is a real thing, and there are people out there that do not like people of color, all this other stuff, at the end of the day, um, we talked earlier on this one fact that, for instance, where's the media telling us the other side of the equation, which is out of 335 million, I think it was, just run-ins with pedestrians that the police have had, why is it that the media isn't telling us 99% of those were peaceful? Right. <laughs> so we began with Isaiah 59. Mm -hmm. Truth is stumbling in the streets. Confusion enters in. We got a lot of dynamics going on in that one chapter in the Bible, but taught elsewhere in the Bible too. Mm -hmm. We have a lot going on in our nation today. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm if I'm uh, on a church elder board or leading within a church, we got to say, wait a second here. What are the facts saying? Whether it's COVID-19 or every other issues, we got to slow the train down mm -hmm. before we start getting caught up in what I believe is either seriously misguided information or a web of lies. Either way, that's what Satan wants. We got to mm -hmm. make sure we're not in some way um, connecting to all, all of that. Yeah kind of goes back full circle to the Ravi Zacharias quote that you brought up, which is, again, 
when God is absent, chaos is the norm. Right. You know, we just have to be alert, culture broadly, mm -hmm. whether it's what we looked at today or other issues that we'll look at in the part two of this video. Mm -hmm. It's not just that we're having a hard time figuring things out. Mm -hmm. It's not just that we're having a hard time knowing the way forward, should we wear masks or not. Mm -hmm. There is a culture of confusion and it's clear biblically mm -hmm. that it's wrapped into God's removal of his blessing, God's uh, God's activity. He is about truth and it's mm -hmm. all related to that. So, yeah. Well, thanks, Stan, for joining us again. Yeah. Look forward to being with you next time. And we look forward to being with you next time when we do a part two on this uh, here at Insights. <laughs>